This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Podgo. We use Podgo for monetizing all our podcasts. We get paid within 24 hours. So if you're a podcast, want to get paid, check it out at podgo.co. That's podgo.co. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. See you guys in the episode. the language of the universe but i don't understand it hello everybody welcome back to the math and physics podcast i'm your host parker and i'm ray and we welcome you back to episode number 41 where today we are going to be discussing the question does physics even exist so, if you guys have seen our episode two episodes ago, the, does math even exist? That's actually a pretty popular one, by the way. On that episode, we kind of spoke about the philosophy of mathematics. We kind of spoke about, you know, how math is a conceptual idea at the end of the day and, you know, stuff like that. And today we're kind of going to be doing the same, but for physics. And I think this is going to be really fun. This is absolutely going to be a riveting episode. Before we do get into the content, though, we do have some quick news. We're going to make this as quick as possible. Uh, First up, we started posting clips of the podcast up on YouTube, on Instagram. Our Instagram is math.physics.podcast. And we have a TikTok, math.physics.podcast on TikTok. We'll be posting all of our clips. Some of them vary in time length, so we'll be cutting them up for tiktok and all that yeah also quick fact so the the clips that we're posting is going to be on youtube and the same ones are going to be on our instagram like we have an igtv now which i think is pretty cool and the tiktok ones are obviously not going to be the same because the instagram ones you know can be a lot longer the tiktok ones are going to be a lot shorter so if you guys want to see like quick snippets even quicker snippets of the clips then go check out our tiktok and i think when this episode drops our tiktok should be ready right like We should have videos on there. Yeah, and so as always, everybody is killing the download and the follower count Mm -hmm. for our podcast. Mm -hmm. We will obviously continue to post every single Monday for the time being. Yep. And uh, we have some very interesting interviews coming up. Make sure to stay tuned for that. Once again, this episode is being recorded and posted on YouTube if you want to see our faces talking at the same time. Absolutely. If not... You know, enjoying the audio experience is always mm-hmm. great, too. Uh, that's that's about it. All right. So the philosophy of physics has. Oh, yeah. Wait, one one last thing before we do start. Ray and I are going to start talking more as like a conversation between us instead of doing like a presentation style podcast, because we realize it's just, you know, it's better in general if we just treat this as a conversation between the two of us instead of being like oh this 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 and this like as if we're talking to you guys instead of talking to each other well teaching is the wrong word but education that's the word there will still be obviously like a level of educating you know others because at the end of the day we kind of know what we're talking about right so like when we talk to each other about it it's mainly for you guys but i think like i was watching a few podcasts and i just noticed that sometimes we we're, we're literally having it like it's, you know, one of those online Zoom lectures. 
Like, I'm like, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's why we're going to try yeah. and, you know, get it to more of a, hey, it's Parker. Yo, you know, what you were so, saying. Stuff so, like yeah, that. as soon as we... As soon as we actually start the podcast, we're just going to be treating it as if we're talking to each other. Exactly. That's the goal. Might might take some time to get used to, though. Like, we might m- mess up in, like, a few That's episodes. True. But, you know, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So, the first thing I wanted to bring up okay. in this conversation here mm-hmm. is that physics is built around being an observer that is alive whatever that means right yeah (laughs) we don't really there's not really a definition for being alive because you know we in in biology or whatever it's like whatever is alive is what evolves over time well not evolves because i mean as evolved from something is that what you're trying to say no i'm trying to say like Anything can evolve, right? Like a rock can change its shape with erosion and all that stuff. Well, I mean, it doesn't evolve in the same way that mammals do, for example. Like those are very different evolutions. Yeah, no, that's what I'm... Very, very different. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to say like, you know, it doesn't have to breathe, right? Obviously, because plants and fungi and stuff like that. I mean, they technically breathe. Okay. Technically. <laughs> Anyways, technically. okay, let, let's I just... Mean, in their own biological way. Let's just say breathing, yeah. it encompasses everything, like the biological process that makes you alive. Okay. So, like, conscious is what you're trying to say. Well... Mainly. Uh, is, is, is that what you're trying to say? Because, I mean, that's my interpretation. Are plants conscious? Oh, plants are... T- oh, so what you're trying to talk about is like how we define observers is that what you're is that where you're going yeah basically okay okay plants i don't think would they be observers no. well here's the thing plants like they react to their environment right of course yeah like anything that is alive yeah they react to the environment so which means they have senses true right they can sense if there's sunlight out right obviously they can sense when it's daytime mm-hmm. and nighttime like flowers close up and all that stuff so they have some type of reaction to the universe true obviously we, we this is this is not like a, a local thing right well depends on what scale you're using but you know they react to stars because our sun is a star obviously which is millions of kilometers away mm-hmm. they react to the orbit of the earth around the sun and all that stuff with like seasons and obviously the trees lose their leaves and Anyways, mm-hmm. enough talk about plants. What I'm trying to say... Yeah, why are we <laughs> so listen, deep into plants right now? <laughs> the, what, I'm, what I'm trying to bring, just say is that anything that is considered alive is an observer. In a sense, yeah. Right, you know, you might disagree like, oh, plants aren't observers. Well, they, they observe somewhat what's going on. In a sense, in a sense, yeah. And so what I'm saying is that physics as we know it depends purely on who is observing observation true because the fact that we have eyes will obviously affect how we measure things aka you know you wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to measure the brightness of stars if you didn't have eyes or maybe i don't know maybe there's some type of weird tool that you can conjure up Mm -hmm. but okay anyways what i'm trying to say is that being an observer in our universe in our space-time universe is what shapes our study of physics and physics is you know an observational science Mm -hmm. you look at things 
and you try to describe them, right? You you observe acceleration. If you think about it, though, all sciences to a certain extent are observational, like chemistry. Yeah. You're observing, yeah. you know, when you mix two chemicals together or something, what happens. Biology, you know, under microscopes, you're looking at certain cells and certain reactions. So at the end of the day, I think all sciences, even though we are focusing on the physics of it right now, like all sciences are in some way highly observational. And without that observer there, none of them can really truly be ever written. Yeah, of course. Right? Because the entire reason for how they were written was with observers who observed certain effects. Of course. Right? And those effects is what we now know as physics and chemistry and biology. Yeah. And in a sense, there is no distinction between physics, chemistry, and biology. Right? Because Mm -hmm. at some point... What you study in physics borders what you study in chemistry. And what you study in chemistry borders what you study in biology. So it's all kind of this continuous spectrum of... Because physics is kind of like a smaller version of chem. And chem is kind of like like smaller as in more precise. You know, like we're kind of zooming in. Right. Like you see the human body. It's okay. It's biology. You go to your, you know, your organs. It's biology. You go deeper into, you know, how they're like energy transportation that's chemistry like bordering chemistry biology you go even deeper into like i don't know quantum Mm. entanglement or quantum tunneling in your body which definitely occurs that's that's where you borderline physics right so it's kind of all zoom in you know the reason why i prefer physics okay let's hear it is because it's kind of like a smaller version of chemistry Uh slash biology but at the same time it's it's everything like in in physics you study every scale you study the absolutely microscopic subatomic scale and you also study the human scale right like the motion of objects and the gravitational pull and forces and all that stuff and then also up to the cosmological scale where you study the most massive and the largest uh, distance wise objects that exist in the universe and so it's it's like you get a piece of every single kind of scale and it's kind of yeah i I think that's the that's the biggest advantage because like in physics you have the quantum realm and you have like you know the the cosmological realm and those are complete polar opposites Mm -hmm. yet you know still exist in the same field which i think is a pretty interesting you know phenomenon Mm -hmm. of it so yeah so just uh talking about you know how physics has the ability of describing our universe i think a little differently, or at least this is my opinion. So in the does math even exist video, right? We were saying that math at the end of the day is a very conceptual topic. It's very abstract, right? Like it doesn't really represent any physical thing. However, physics on the other hand, right? Like that directly describes certain physical, you know, phenomenon. For example, F equals MA, very easy example, or your force of gravity equation you know your mass over r squared so all what that is explaining is what we physically observe right like if you push something with a certain force it accelerates you can observe that using these physical equations so that's why i think physics a little differently from math is not as conceptual but describes the universe in a different way and a realistic way what do you think well yeah as as i said earlier in our previous episodes Physics is 
using math to its advantage, obviously, because it's much easier True, of course. to write things down mathematically、mm-hmm. versus in English trying to describe relationships. Definitely. You know, describing a linear relationship is a lot easier when you just use symbols instead of trying to、mm-hmm. explain. The thing about physics itself is that it's built around the ability to write things down. The fact that I can look out into space, <laughs> see something going on, and then I write it down realistically, what's, you know, it doesn't matter that I can write, actually physically write down the relationship. It's the idea that I can. Take an observation and form that relationship in essence, right? So that idea, that relationship exists in my head.、Mm-hmm. And so my take on it is that physics is not real. <laughs> Answering the, the question of the episode, right? Okay, okay. I don't think physics is real. Physics is just a body of knowledge, right? It's just this. This, well, it's it's an infinite. It's like it's like the real number line, right? There there is no bound to it, but we can we only hold as much as we know. Okay. Right. When we keep we keep expanding our knowledge, but there is, or in my opinion, there is no end in sight. Right. There, there is no. Yeah. That 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 is a whole topic on its own that we did talk about last time. But but see if if, if you think about it, like physics, like even though is you know, world of knowledge. I don't think you can say like for example, then you can use that same argument for any of the sciences, like even chemistry or biology. Like they don't necessarily have to, you know, if we're just talking about chemistry, it represents. Different, different, different realms of knowledge, right? And they can be applied yeah, in different ways.、True. Obviously, we're not even close to knowing how much chemistry there is in the world, right? We're not even close. Same way with physics. So, at the end of the day, if you just talk about them, like just <laughs> as、true. a subject, I think yes, I can definitely see your point. Like none of them truly exist. But it's when we, you know, apply it to real life phenomena, to real life observations, as you said, like we observe something and write it down. Like that equation, what we call physics, represents that real life phenomenon. So, would you not deem it to be real of some way? Here's why I don't think so. Okay. Because let's say we use Newton's equation. Okay. To find a force acting on an object. Okay. And we find that number. Okay. But do you think that number? Like the result that you find, it represents a real thing. Fair enough. Yeah. But in reality, it is just an approximation. But well, hear me out. You know, it's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah. It's it's just an approximation. Yeah. Of a fairly good one. Right. I'm not going to say it's a great approximation because there are many situations where it does break down. But you know, let's say we're under mild conditions, and we find a result for a force that's acting on an object. That result depends on our observation, right? It depends on what we observe、mm-hmm. the acceleration to be, what we observe the mass of the object to be. But if you do believe in like a deterministic universe. Then you do believe that there is 
in essence, right, in its purest form, there is an exact number that represents the force being acted upon the object. That is true. That is true. Is that right? You think that like it's it's embedded in the code of our universe somewhere that there is a there is a perfect number that exactly describes the force being being applied. Yeah, of course, of course, that exists. The uh, the reason why I don't think physics is real is okay. because we will never be able to get to that number using physics. Physics is just uh, I think it's like there's a muddy lake. Let's say true. That is that is a fact. And you're trying to find that is a fact. The gold, the gem that is at the bottom of the lake, right? Physics is kind of like these binoculars, right? You can kind of zoom in to the mud and the cloud of dirt. Okay. And you can see like a sparkle, but you'll never be able to just see exactly where that gem is. Exactly. Yeah. To actually figure that out, you need to plunge into the into the 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 lake and actually grab it, which is you know the only the hand of God can perform that action, in terms of physics. That is actually a fantastic point that you brought up because I was actually because because when you were talking about that, the first thing I thought of was uncertainty, right? And in almost any kind of lab class that you do in university or any physics lab class or any lab class for that matter, you will definitely encounter uncertainty propagation. Or what basically what that means is calculating the error in your observations or in your measurements. So you will find out that, believe me when I say this, obviously like I just finished the semester, so I just finished my lab class. And there were so many reports where I forgot to put the uncertainty in on in like these small small variables that I thought wouldn't matter but basically the moral of you know getting all those marks deducted from my reports was every value every observation has some level of uncertainty so what parker said there was actually a very good point brought up because at the end of the day every force or any equation that we calculate will have some uncertainty relating to it so as you said, we won't that exact force. We never will because that force will have some uncertainty relating to it. We're never going to get the exact number. And that's just unfortunately a consequence of physics and or, or I think just, just measurements, right? Like everything has its own embedded error, right? Mm-hmm. And because we can never get the perfect precision on almost anything, like right. even a ruler, if you're measuring 10 centimeters, it's never exactly 10 centimeters. There's definitely an error, you know, so there's, there's always that small thing that people miss. No one really talks about mm-hmm. error propagation, but it's a very, very important discussion. And you can also check out our episode on error analysis, which we did a couple of, couple of months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so long ago. That was a while ago. That was so long ago. But it was, uh, it was a fun one. Uh, wait, I think that was one of our single-digit episodes, eh? No, I think it was in the tens, the teens. Was it? I swear, I thought it was eight or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, not that that matters. Um, okay, so I was going to say, you know, my favorite expression on this podcast. Back in the day, right? Newton okay. said, well, he didn't say explicitly, but his take on physics was that Physics is all about finding forces, right? It's finding the forces that act on objects. Mm -hmm. And those forces will give us the motion of objects through time. You know, you determine the forces, 
those will give you the mm-hmm. accelerations, the velocities, and over over time, and you will get a description the of the momentum, the what's position, going on yeah, physically, the whole thing. But after Einstein showed up, and he found that space and time were interlaced, right? They're dynamic. One is not separate from the other, but in, instead, it's a, this four dimensional grid that you can you know place events on depending on the the space-time coordinates which sounds really fancy Manifold, but if you're not like yeah. a physics person and you hear oh space-time coordinates it's it's not that complicated it's just you know you have your spatial coordinates which is let's say okay one meter over here one meter over here whatever you have your space coordinate and your time coordinate time equals one hour right that there's your space-time coordinate <laughs> <laughs> a very very basic example but yeah this position yeah. at this time and then to see how the, your coordinates evolve you know you just have to see where am i versus where i started and also you know how much time has passed time elapsed exactly which like the reason why it's such a groundbreaking idea that space and time are together as one is because as you move in space you change like the experience of time okay i guess that's not very accurate maybe you would want to explain that a bit yeah <laughs> because what do you mean your your experience of time are you are, are you just trying to say that your time changes what do you mean experience well i mean the okay the fundamental idea is that the speed of light is constant for all observers true and so to keep that fact you start to study relative velocities and accelerations and all that you see that for that fact to hold you need your time to slow down or your distance to stretch or whatever as your speed increases and so you see that the fact that you are moving at a certain speed relative to something else will affect your spatial description that's what you mean okay yeah Uh, basically i'm just saying one one affects the other Basically, space affects time and the other way around as well. Like time dilation yeah. is a fantastic example. Is basically exactly. I think what we're trying to say, right? Mm-hmm. Like time dilation perfectly shows how your velocity or the speed at which you're moving through this space changes how time works for you, right? Like that that can be thought of mm-hmm. as an idea, right? Once again, uh, we did talk about this in a special relativity episode. Yeah. We are coming out with a part two to that, which is part three. Part two. Part three? No, we did a part two of quantum mechanics, but not a part two of special relativity. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm thinking, yeah, true, 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 true. That is coming soon as well. But what I was trying to say with this entire thing, by the way, is that physics became okay. less about the motion of objects through time and became more about finding the deterministic laws of nature, right? It's, you know, we kind of zoomed out a bit. Because, of course, there are laws that determine the motion of objects as time passes. But once you realize that everything is connected together, physics becomes Mm -hmm. more about what can we know exactly. And Einstein believed in a deterministic model of the universe, which just means that everything, if I want to be broad here, everything has a for sure value as i said earlier right that gem that you're looking for exists somewhere and it is possible to find it he uh, einstein believed in that 
and which mm-hmm. is why he opposed quantum mechanics, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. <laughs> we will get to for sure. That's a, that's basically it, right? Einstein and determinism. Yeah. Yeah. That essentially that that's what I was trying to say, right? Um, he realized that finding the deterministic laws of nature, that those laws that can get you to the precise exact values that are embedded in our universe Mm -hmm. is what physics is all about. That is true. So we were also talking just uh, recently about time, right? And I really want to add something on there because I think when we're talking about, you know, the... (laughs) I was warm. Okay. We're having a little pause here. Dress rehearsal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Quick dress rehearsal. Oh, okay. You're, You're just warm. Okay. Okay. I'm just like, okay, that was interesting. Okay. So as we were talking, as we were saying, right, time is a very interesting topic because as we're talking about the philosophy of physics, a very important subtopic is the philosophy of time. Because I think the most interesting ideas, you know, especially like, you know, those late night thoughts when you're just like, mm-hmm. what, what is time? Like, what are we really moving through? When we say one second, like, what does that even mean? And why are we... You know, it's something funny. Okay. This is not, (laughs) this is just a thought I had, okay? But imagine this, right? You know, okay, everybody has memories of events that happened in the past, okay? But imagine this, okay? You form your memories by living in the present. And then the images of the events that occur stay in your head. But what if you are already dead? (laughs) Oh, damn. Right? No, but think about this, okay? You are already dead. The illusion of the present is you thinking back on your memories of the past. So right now we're recording a podcast. I'm sitting at my desk and I'm talking to a microphone. But right now, the the present I'm living is this is the, this is a memory being being formed in my mind that I'm remembering. Right? It's way too accurate to be a memory, man. But how do you know that? Way too accurate to be a memory. <laughs> like you, 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 you say it's way too accurate to be a memory. But right now you're, you're remembering what... So wait, so wait. So I am remembering? Yeah. And sometimes I can remember a memory is what you're trying to say? Like I'm remembering something that I remembered? Like 90% of your day, you don't remember. If I ask you three weeks ago at 1 p.m., I mean, what were you doing? Like you don't know exactly what you were doing, right? Oh, but the 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 events that you remember okay. when you remember <laughs> oh yeah this happened that memory is you having like a flashback to the present in the past does that make sense damn okay so that's definitely a thought that's definitely a thought <laughs> i don't know where that came in from when i was talking about time but that's definitely a good thought oh this is just to say that the passing of time is just an illusion altogether oh, okay. like there is no present past future because you're already dead <laughs> Because you're already dead. What a fantastic way to describe it. Like everything is in the past. Like there's no distinction between now, earlier, and later. Because it's everything is just before. That, that's, that's phenomenal. Okay. So that's an interesting idea. Definitely think about it. You know, put in the think comments what that. you guys think about that thought. If you guys agree with Parker or, you know, just think he's absolutely insane. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Continuing on to time. 
right? Like the first question that comes to mind, especially when we're talking about, you know, the universe or like physics in general is, well, where did physics or everything really start from, right? Where did time start? Well, the most obvious answer to us at least would be the Big Bang, right? Assuming the Big Bang theory is correct. Time started, literally started like 0.0 seconds was when the Big Bang, you know, occurred. Or at least that's how we think about it. So all time, all of time, you know, started at that point and is now advancing forward. You say you say time started at 0.0 seconds. Okay, okay. A lot more point zeros. Yes, of course, of course. N- no, wait, no, that doesn't change. No, because, well, technically zero <laughs> without any decimal places would be the most accurate. Okay, that, that's not what I'm trying to, that's not what I'm trying to argue. Oh, that's not what you were trying to say. Okay. What I'm trying to argue is that did that point ever t equals zero ever happen well that's the thing right like if we're talking about things happening things happening require a time interval for them to happen in mm-hmm. right like all these eras in the big bang that we were talking about on the big bang episode all happened in a time interval but t equals zero is not really an interval it's a point so how can that but happen my my idea you know? This is just like a spontaneous idea here. Okay, let's hear it. Imagine time is like 1 over x, right? The graph. Okay. Right? So it goes to infinity at zero, right? So like something like that. It's just like a mental picture. So you can pick any interval of time going all the way up to zero, but not including zero. But saying that something started at zero is just not defined. Like you can't have something start at zero. That is true. Like time is, okay. So time is technically, that's true. Time is not defined at zero because nothing, well, yeah. I I, I mean, I guess you can think about it like that because time isn't. As far as we know, nothing was, nothing was real. Like we were purely on the imaginary plane, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like we had no idea what was happening. We weren't even here yet. And so if you, if you think about your experience as an alive observer as like a series of images right just like flowing through time god what your eyes see is just it's just like a series of like frames right passing through time okay well this is actually there's there are a lot of implications to this but if i want to be really hand wavy here if you imagine those frames right you can't place one of those frames at t equals zero because what would be there right it would just be but again, t equals zero, in my opinion, I think is just like a it's 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 a theoretical idea. It's where we describe the universe starting. Because if we were to say, "Hey, tell me a starting point for the universe," well, we can't give you one. Well, in position coordinates, it would literally be the origin because there is there is no universe at this point. There's nothing created. Mm. There will only be an infinitesimal zero dimensional object, a point. Because a, a point is a zero-dimensional object. I don't know if I agree with that. When you say, okay, the singularity of the universe is at the origin. No, because... No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say center of anything. All I'm trying to say is, if you think about it, no space has been created at the Big Bang. Like, when the... Before... Again, before the Big Bang is just, like, wrong terminology. But, like, I think you know what I mean. Like, before mm. the expansion occurring, right? Mm. Like, that point occurred at t equals zero is all i'm trying to say and then from there at that point because nothing had been created 
it's a, it's just it's simply a point. A point is a zero dimensional object. Mm. Nothing had been created, so there's no space. So technically, if we're trying to put a coordinate system on this universe, well, there's gonna be no numbers. It's just gonna be zero, 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 right? <laughs> so it's gonna be the origin. Okay, but sure, <laughs> sure, because it's a point, right? That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. So it's that point, and then from there, you can think about it in the same way with time, right? It's it's not that that actually physically exists, or we can find something about it. It's just that that's how we represent the starting of the universe, right? As t equals zero, mm-hmm. like it's all just a representation by us. And I think I think that's basically it. But yeah, so continuing on to time, I re- what I really wanted to talk about is how we came up with time, right? Now I've actually done quite a lot of reading on time. Have you now? <laughs> and for some reason, I can't find an exact answer for why it is the way it is. Let, I mean, let me explain what it is first. So originally, before we have all these atomic clocks and you know very precise measurements of time, what people used to do, and this is purely off the internet, so I, I can't really go deep into it, is basically they used to have this thing called the ephemeris, which listed all the orbital positions of different planets in the sky. And when they compared the current position and how these objects in the sky were moving relative to each other. And when they compared that to this thing called the ephemeris, they came up, literally came up. This is the part I couldn't find. I really couldn't find where they came up with this number. I I swear, I, I tried. I really couldn't. So this number, they got to this pretty preposterous number. I don't even know how. And it's 31,556,000. 925.974 of these time intervals that they made up makes up one year. And that's basically how it was defined. Okay. And again, I tried looking, man, guys. I tried looking for why it was defined like this because I want to know. To be honest, I really do. And we can have a quick discussion on why we think it was like this. But basically, the way they defined it, This was the length of the year 1900, only that year. Why? Because technically, exactly every year, the length changes just about a bit. So obviously, you know, with technology advancements and stuff like that, they couldn't keep doing this because every single year, you know, the positions of the planets change. It's not absolute. So this ephemeris that they had, this list of orbital positions, you know, didn't really work because every year it would change a little bit, you know, here and there because of precession. So... With increase in technology, they found a perfect atom to do their job for them. They found cesium-133. And the reason they found this atom is because once this atom is hit by laser, the outermost layer of the atom, it basically, it transitions between these two levels. It oscillates back and forth between these two levels. And that's what we call a hyperfine transition, right? And... When researchers calculated how many of these oscillations are required to represent one ephemeris time interval, right? Like one ephemeris time interval, they found this number, right? I'm, I'm just going to repeat this number. Not probably won't mean much, but 9,192,631,770 oscillations of the hyperfine transition. That makes up 
one second. And because that obviously doesn't change, right? Because the outermost layers of the same isotope will obviously not change in their oscillation period. So when it's hit obviously with a certain laser, it oscillates at this. And these number of oscillations make up what we call today as one second. Okay, but at the end of the day, <laughs> even though we have this atomic clock, that defines yes. one second. One second doesn't yes. mean anything, you know. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's what we defined. It's all based around, I think the entire idea is based around the earth, around the sun. Because the second is kind of, if you think about it, dependent on the year, right? Like the, the, the second, like the way we defined it, you know, is perfectly uh, dependent on how long one year is. And then when we when we take that knowledge, we can think about, oh, it kind of makes sense because one year, you know, should have the exact same amount of time intervals every year. Like that shouldn't mm -hmm. change. Even though the planets and everything is changing, like orbital positions, yeah. even though all of that is changing, the definition of a second shouldn't change. So that's when they changed it to the cesium idea with this atomic clock. And they made it a lot more precise such that obviously it never changes. But as as you very well said, it's not really like a like a it's not a universal constant the second it's not a universal constant it's simply how we have defined this time interval mm -hmm. you know like another alien civilization if they're measuring i don't know one one second one it's second, second. Know, maybe it's in their language one okay. second right so the second might not be the same number of oscillations maybe instead of 9.1 yeah. billion it's I don't know, 8 billion, I don't know, because their planet revolves at a certain different distance than Earth. So it all depends on how we define it. Mm -hmm. And I think especially with, you know, time, it's all that we've defined time. It's not that it's really a thing. We've defined the interval of time. So it's not a universal constant. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty important, you know, idea. So to get a little bit more philosophical here, back on the, the philosophical train. Yeah, that wasn't very philosophical. That was more... Yeah, I get it. But it was still an idea. Yeah, how 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 you would um define one second, okay, could have been very different based on literally everything. So these ephemeris seconds are just it's mm -hmm. just like an estimation basically. Like, okay, we recorded a yeah. year and then we divide it up into thirty one million time intervals. <laughs> and that's one exactly. second. And exactly. then later we defined the hyperfine transitions right but that's also based off of the ephemeris second so based if, off of that if we would have said exactly that a second is a month long you know when it wouldn't be very useful but <laughs> like <laughs> we would just have instead of calling what we have as a second now a second we'd call it something else but it would still represent the same thing but it might be even like a, d a different time interval it might be the world would still be the same yeah. if one second were three seconds. Like the world, the world would be the exact same. Of course, of course. It's, again, it's all about how our calculations are based around the fact that one second equals that. Like every single thing, I think in 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 physics, you know, like all the equations and everything, basically depend on how one second is defined, right? Like at the end of the day, because if, if if a second is different, the speed of light is different. Yeah. And then that would cause all kinds of problems in a lot of equations that depend on the speed of light. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a cause and effect where we've just said that this is it and we're just sticking with it. It's not that it's right or wrong. It's just something that we've come up with and everything is based off of this. And that that is a consequence of, you know, our freedom of choice. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's a it's a topic in philosophy, but not necessarily related to to physics. But, mm-hmm. you know, we were free to choose what one second was or what one meter is but i think that's a little bit more scientific i think that's like but the the meter is defined from the second right because it's the it's like a distance that the exactly that light travels in one fraction of a second so whatever the speed of light is like that two million or like you know that 299 million meters per second or whatever yeah so it's one divided by that number like the distance that light travels in that much time so it's kind of like it's dependent yeah, on that. But that is, <laughs> but at the same time, the speed of light is defined off of. As, yeah, it's, it's so uh, weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. But how that contrasts to mathematics, where we have constants like pi, e, and phi that come up mm-hmm. a lot, um, those would only change based on the, what's it called? Like the base that you're using? what what is that called like base 10 like decimal binary all that stuff oh like do decimal and all like uh just wait 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 hold up like it just... it, it, the only way those constants would change is if you're you're using a different base as like a number as your number system yeah like a number yeah i remember i know what you're talking about like the dewey decimal system is base 12 but is is that, is that all it's called just base 12 maybe yeah because what we work in right now is base 10 right because 10 20 30 40 but Base 12 is simply where 12 can be, you know, represented in the same way. And actually it can be very helpful in some, in some cases, but yeah, not talking about Mm -hmm. that. Continuing on, uh, we said we would talk about this, but we didn't quantum mechanics. And I think this is kind of the one that breaks, you know, all of what we were saying before about determinism, or at least the, the idea that we have right now, the interpretation of quantum mechanics that we deal with today is called the Copenhagen interpretation, right? And that entire idea is that quantum mechanics is probabilistic. It's all about, you know, an electron is not here. It's not Mm -hmm. here either. It's probably 30% here, 70% here, but it's not. Well, actually, that's not completely accurate. No, no, I'm just trying to give a very, very easy example. I know, I know, but technically there is a 0% chance that you find an electron here. Oh, (laughs) The the probability comes when you look... At a certain interval of space, you say there is a 25% chance that it of course. is between here and here. Because maybe if you do study quantum mechanics, mm-hmm. you'll see that the when, when you're looking at the probability density of, let's say, the position, the one-dimensional position of an electron, uh, it's not, or sorry, what I'm trying to say is that it is an integral. And when you integrate from... Yeah. one point to the same point it's zero it's zero so exactly. if you want to get an actual result you need to integrate from let's mm-hmm. say zero to one and then you'll get a probability yeah. so that's obviously a better much better description than here or there i, I mean i was just trying to give like the very basic just idea behind <laughs> the probabilistic yeah. nature and how you know quantum mechanics says this very interesting thing which obviously einstein hated and all these popular physicists hated because they're like this doesn't make any sense right because it breaks our mm-hmm basic our basic idea of determinism right that everything should have an exact value 
like as Parker said previously, mm-hmm. right? As you said, if I'm pushing an object and I have a certain force, even though we we can't find that exact force that exists, that exact force exists. But when we talk about quantum mechanics, that exact number does not exist. That's the whole thing, right? Like we're not sure where like if we were exactly. to ask you where is this electron in you know this region of space well we can't give you an exact answer we can give you a percentage in certain regions but we can't give you an exact answer actually <laughs> and then we can also talk about the uncertainty principle i was kind of getting well yeah. okay yeah but no what i wanted to say was that we can give you an answer but that would essentially destroy the state the momentum exactly <laughs> um so if you have an electron orbiting uh, an atom let's say mm-hmm. and then you wanted to know the exact position you can in fact measure the exact position but by measuring the exact position you're basically destroying everything else <laughs> about that system and it would become essentially useless like exactly it, let's say you want to measure the polarization of a photon mm-hmm. once you measure that polarization you can't go back in time and have this probabilistic, you know, oh, 30% horizontally polarized, 70% mm-hmm. vertical. No, like once you measure it, boom, you've destroyed any like any mm-hmm. uncertainty about so it. So in quantum mechanics, so so so, so the reason that the, like the the reason that works is because in quantum mechanics there there are these things called compatible observables, right? Basically, <laughs> a complicated phrase means can I measure these two things without changing the state of the particle that's the whole thing Mm -hmm. so the most fundamental incompatible observables in quantum mechanics are position and momentum so when we say position and momentum are incompatible observables what that basically means is you can't measure position and momentum and have definite answers for both of them like that is just physically by the laws of the universe impossible because they're simply incompatible and that's just how we define them right but the thing is the way we define momentum and position right like momentum kind of depends on the speed and position as well you know where it's located that also brings rise to the common you know the the quantum model of the atom which some people might have seen you know like the clouds around the around the nucleus instead of like the straight like lines so like in the bohr rutherford mm-hmm. diagram we have solid circles, solid, solid circles around the nucleus. But in reality, in a quantum model of the atom, we don't have these solid circles. We have these clouds because we're uncertain about where exactly the electron is. So we can still know somewhat of position. We can still know somewhat of momentum. Both of them will have some uncertainty, but there is no way in physical reality that both of these uncertainties can be zero. And that's just the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this broke our understanding of reality itself is because suddenly we knew nothing, right? We went from thinking that, oh, physics is a complete description. And this was even before Einstein, right? People thought that Newtonian physics was Mm -hmm. the ultimate answer to reality. It's like, okay, there's nothing left to understand about the universe. And then Einstein came, and then quantum mechanics came. And the reason why quantum mechanics is so, like, insane and so non-intuitive is because of that probability. Essentially, you're leaving the state of the universe up to chance, right? 
you can't tell exactly what's going on. You can just say mm-hmm. there is a there's a chance that this is what's going to happen and there's a chance that that's going to happen. And that is that is fundamentally philosophical because mm-hmm. if you you know, you can know something and nothing at the same time and you can never know everything, then what are we actually doing here? Exactly. I was just going to say. Uh, also, quick note, we are bordering like around 50 minutes. I think there's one thing that I really wanted to talk about in this podcast, which is time travel. Because I think that even though that's not philosophical, like it is still a very, it, it's basically a concept, right? And it's a concept that we can definitely get into the philosophy of. Unfortunately, we're again at 50 minutes. So, because that's a pretty long topic. Yeah, so this will have to wait to the next philosophy of science that does blank even exist uh, series that we have here on uh, on this wonderful yeah. podcast. Let us know if you guys like this series. I mean, I, I think it's pretty cool that the, the, the does blank even exist. And let mm-hmm. us know any, you know, any, any topics that you guys want us to cover. So if it's like, I don't know, does, okay, whatever you want. You're free to think, free to think. <laughs> yeah. Free to think about yeah. anything. Okay. So if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to go subscribe on YouTube because oh, this is uh, being yeah. recorded and posted on YouTube. Make sure to follow on Spotify, follow on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, other places as well. Any any platform that you are on, go follow us there. That's right. You can also find us on Instagram at math.physics.podcast or at the same uh, handle on TikTok starting very soon. You can also go and watch our clips out now on YouTube and on Instagram. On Instagram or YouTube. All right. By now, you already know. A lot of people are actually... Uh, sorry, quick note. A lot of people are liking our Instagram clips, and I, and I like that. You know, a lot of people are viewing it, which is kind of nice. It's always nice mm-hmm. to see that. So, yeah, so continue viewing it. And obviously, if you can, also view it on YouTube because those are those are pretty <laughs> That's cool. That's right. Because, yeah, because, I mean, like, we put a lot of effort into, you know, like the Zoom episode. And when we put it on YouTube, we're like, oh, let's, let's, let's see this. And then no one watches the YouTube one. Everyone's on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have, no, we, we have a, like... For the amount of effort that we put in, we have like a, a respectable I amount mean, of... I mean, we're recording it right here. Okay, so I totally understood why people didn't want to watch yeah. the, what do you call it? Like the pictured podcast, that makes sense. But yeah. obviously we just started the recorded ones. So, you know, let's give people time. Let's give people time yeah. to think about it. And, you know, hopefully we're going to get more subscribers on YouTube because of the clips you know, mm-hmm. I don't know why we haven't started doing this earlier, but I anyways, know we really never thought of this. We're, we're going to be putting out a lot more content on YouTube now. So yeah, for sure. Make sure to we're, we're going to be on our Joe Rogan grind now. So make sure to <laughs> like, leave us a comment. We'll definitely answer. Send us an email Absolutely. at math.physics.podcast at gmail.com. And we will catch you in the next episode coming out next Monday. So this has been episode number 41 of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we will see you soon. See ya. Hey.